Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Cameron Moore. Before joining Target Zero, Cameron Moore spent six years working as the program director for the First Coast No More Homeless Pets, the largest high-volume spay-neuter clinic in the country. First Coast No More Homeless Pets' mission is to end the euthanasia of dogs and cats in the city shelter and surrounding areas. While in this role, Cameron implemented many life-saving programs that directly impacted intake and live release at the shelter, helping the city of Jacksonville achieve and maintain a live release rate of over 90%. She oversaw programs involving targeted spay-neuter initiatives, community cat diversion, surrender prevention, adoption programs, and kitten nurseries, which have evolved into the Target Zero Pyramid. In 2008, Cameron launched the Feral Freedom Program in Jacksonville, Florida, which has successfully sterilized over 26,000 community cats that have entered the shelter system and returned them to their outdoor home. As an animal welfare consultant with Target Zero, Cameron enjoys helping communities find ways not only to improve the live outcomes of shelter animals, but to help prevent homelessness and keep pets out of the shelters with families who love them. Cameron holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Kennesaw State College in Public and Social Services. She founded a nonprofit cat rescue organization called Lucky Cat Adoptions in 2005 and has successfully found homes for over 7,700 cats. Her experience running a nonprofit rescue organization and at First Coast focusing on ending shelter euthanasia gives her a unique perspective into the Target Zero mission. Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stacey. I'm glad to be here. So Cameron, how did you get started helping community cats? Well, I think like a lot of people, I just stumbled across a cat one day behind a grocery store or something, and I didn't know... I didn't know anything about community cats or that cats lived outside or what to do. And so I started feeding these cats and ultimately I got them fixed. And and it's so funny because I was working in commercial real estate and ultimately, my life has just been taken over by cats just because of the need that was out there. So it's, it's just kind of uh, funny. It all started with just one cat behind a grocery store. And so did you end up trapping that cat and getting assistance for that cat? Of course. Of <laughs> course. That that opened my eyes to the whole TNR process. And and then, of course, I wanted to trap every cat that I could get my hands on. And, and that ultimately led to forming my own nonprofit so that I could keep helping cats. It turned into paying job for me, which was fantastic, like a dream come true. And that was when you were working at First Coast? Correct. Correct. So um, again, I was in commercial real estate. The market turned. My job was basically downsized and I was out. And uh, Rick Ducharme came to me and he knew me through Cat Rescue. And and he was like, I heard you got uh, laid off. That's terrific news. And I'm thinking, this guy is nuts. Um, how is it terrific? But it really was just such perfect timing because at that time he was getting ready to open his spay-neuter clinic and launch the Feral 
freedom program and he needed someone to oversee it. And I just jumped at the opportunity. So what was the tipping point? I mean, what convinced you that spay, neuter and return to field and all of these various sort of phrases that we have, what made you feel like that was really the way to go for helping cats? Well, I started out doing adoptions and And as much as I wanted to help cats, I was not finding enough of them home. So I wasn't making the impact that I want at the shelters that were all begging me to take cats. And as I was doing TNR in the community, I realized like if we could just fix them and stop the reproduction and stop these cats from coming into the shelter, we would actually make more progress than on the other end. Of course, you know, once cats are in the shelter, we want to find them a live outcome and, and get them into loving homes. But wouldn't it be great to prevent them from even entering the shelter? And We just, you know, I just have seen what happens with spay neuter and how, you know, there's so many people out in the community taking care of cats and they truly like these cats. They just usually take them to the shelter because they start reproducing and it becomes a little much and and then their neighbors start talking. And so it's not that they take them to the shelters because they feel they're a nuisance or they don't want them around. It was the opposite. They love them. They just didn't know how to stop the cycle. And when we could offer spay neuter to them, people would cry with happiness that they could continue taking care of these cats, never have to take them to the shelter, but never have to worry about the numbers doubling and tripling. And who would you say were your mentors at that period of time? Well, definitely, you know, Rick Ducharme, he's a visionary. He can come up with these ideas that at first may seem very far-fetched, but he really does see the big picture. And then early on, um, we were linked up with Best Friends Animal Society, um, Holly Sizer. It's more really coached me through launching the Feral Freedom Program here. And of course, I was scared. You know, anytime you start a new program and you don't necessarily know what you're doing, you don't have the confidence level, it's good to have someone who's been there and done that to say, hey, it's okay. And we went through the same thing. And I think that's what's the beauty of Target Zero now is we're in that same boat. We can be that mentor and say, I understand your fears. I know exactly where you're coming from, but I promise you we can get through this. And you mentioned something in your bio about being involved with or creating a community cat diversion program. Can you describe what that is? Sure. Well, here in Jacksonville, before First Coast Normal Homeless Pets actually had their clinic, they were operating some TNR clinics with some local veterinarians who would offer up their surgery spaces on like a Sunday. And we were TNRing like 50 cats. And as some of those cats would enter the shelter system and they're already ear tipped, those cats were being euthanized. And so So we approached the shelter and said, hey, we've already fixed and vaccinated these cats. We've invested money in them. You know where you picked them up. Won't you let us take them back and just let them keep living their lives? And it was so amazing because when we talked with leadership there, they said, well, if it's good enough for these cats that are already ear tipped, why don't you just take all the outside cats and ear tip them? (laughs) And, And it was like, of course we will. That's exactly what we want to do. Not having a clinic or staff or vehicles or traps or anything. We were just like, yes, we will do it. And that's how the Feral Freedom Program was was launched here in Jacksonville. And ironically, today, it's like if we knew then what we know now, we probably wouldn't have ever called it Feral Freedom because the majority of these cats living outside are not necessarily feral. They are community cats. They are friendly or feral. They are loosely owned. They sometimes have multiple owners. So definitely these cats are part of our landscape and we need to do what we can to help them and help the people who take care of them. Right. 
So the ultimate goal of a community cat program, how would you define that? Well, I would say we need to retrain the public. You know, in the past, people take cats to shelters because we've trained them to take cats to shelters. What we want to train them to do is, if there are outdoor cats, take them to your spay-neuter clinic, get them fixed and vaccinated, and return them back outside where they're already living and they already have a home. Um, So what we want to do is divert them from the shelter. And if they do go into the shelter system, we want to still fix and vaccinate them and take them back to their outdoor home. So ultimately, with community cat diversion, we want to retrain the public to be a part of the solution, help these cats, and avoid going to the shelter. Because really, the shelter is the last place that any animal should be, unless they are truly in need. Do you think that the the number of community cats that are out there through these programs will reduce the number of cats that are actually out there on the streets? Definitely, definitely, because I know people who have been taking care of cats for years and years and years, and before spay-neuter, it was just a never-ending cycle. They constantly had kittens. They had cats coming from all around to mate and gather together. And once we sterilized this group of cats, you know, some would drift off. Some would get adopted from the streets. And when there aren't new litters being born, it becomes a much more manageable figure. And this is not just in colonies around town. These are in, you know, people's backyards. There's the manager at the gas station where I stop every morning for um, my drink. He is thrilled to death. He has been feeding cats and, and getting them. We've been getting them fixed for the past couple of years. We finally caught that last mama cat, got her sterilized. And he is now two years in a row with no kittens. And he celebrates mm. it every day. He loves these cats. He totally takes care of them, but he loves that the cycle has stopped and that he can, he now has a manageable number of cats instead of cats coming out of his ears. So I do see that it does help. Now the, the key is we just have to keep getting out there and keep getting to those cats that we haven't reached yet. Right, right. And that falls on the also on the topic of abandonment, the supply source and providing other alternatives for those cats that aren't sterilized either because they come on the streets via, you know, someone gives them up um, and providing some other other avenues or trying to answer those questions. I mean, the reason why is that cat being abandoned because it's not spayed and neutered. Therefore, you know, getting in that owned realm too. And I would assume that through the First Coast No More Homeless Pets that you worked with, that that there are objectives in there to help with preventing folks from abandoning cats. Right. Well, you know, what's the funny thing though, Stacey, is that growing up, our cats always stayed inside and that's just you know, how I was raised and that's what I thought everybody did. And so when I did see a cat outside, I would immediately think it was abandoned. But what I realized is a lot of people let their cats in and out. People who love their cats, people who think it's the right thing to do. So I think we also need to retrain the public that just because you see a cat outside doesn't mean that it's abandoned or that it's stray or lost. These cats know exactly where they are. They know where their food source is. They know where all their comfy places are where they can hide and become comfortable and hang out and get all their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But the thing that they aren't able to do by themselves is get themselves sterilized. So that's where we need to step in and help them. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants, When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. 
Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats Podcast website under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. I can't imagine having an unneutered cat in my house. I just, <laughs> you know, it shocks me, but that's just my own way of way of thinking. Well, sure. A lot of people, though, when we talk to them, it, it's on their to-do list. They've meant to do it, but either financially they couldn't afford it, or maybe they didn't have transportation, or maybe they just, they made a call and somebody on the other end of the line was making them jump through hoops. We have to try to remove barriers and make it as easy as possible, both financially and just in setting the appointment to get people into clinics. And that's the one thing that I think First Coast did really well here in Jacksonville. Originally, before they had a a spay-neuter clinic, they were um, contracting with local veterinarians. Well, what would happen is you'd call for your free surgery and then $100 later, you'd got roped into all these other things that you couldn't afford and or you had to wait weeks and weeks. And, you know, it just became it's a real hassle for people. And, and honestly, when people call, we've got to get them in while the, the iron's hot. We, <laughs> we got to yeah. get them in that day, the next day, not drag it out because life happens and then they don't get them sterilized and then, oops, they have a litter. Right, right. And, or they start spraying around right. the house and, and then they, they want kick to kick the cat out of the house. And, <laughs> exactly. You know, and then the, the whole saga goes right. goes on and on and on. And, uh, you know, up here in Massachusetts, uh, I've been involved with starting two mobile spay-neuter clinics. We have two cat mobiles. And uh, since 2008, they've sterilized 55,000 cats. And a majority are owned cats, I would say. A good 85% of them are owned the rest are have been uh, free roaming ferals, and we also do mash style clinics uh, once a month for ferals too. And so, you know, I always think getting those cats spayed and neutered, the ones that are in the houses, is a really important piece of the whole puzzle in terms of creating a humane community for cats. Not just looking at your intake rates and having that be your overall objective. We're also looking at sort of the overall wellness for cats within a community too. Definitely. I mean, I I think I would like to see everything spayed and neutered. (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) That's my mission. I mean, that's 100% 100% sterilization all across the United States. That's are right. we in agreement on that one? We are, for sure. <laughs> so you've had the privilege of also uh, starting your own nonprofit organization called Lucky Cat Adoptions. Can you tell me a little bit about the pluses, the negatives, the high points, the low points in starting that organization versus working for such a large program in Jacksonville? Well, definitely. And if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have just tried to join another organization rather than starting from scratch. But at the time, the organization I had been volunteering with basically dissolved. And so I knew there was still a need. And so a couple friends and I decided, well, we can just continue this on. We'll form our own organization. However, we formed it just to keep helping cats, not that we wanted to grow it or turn it into our business. So for us, it's kind of more of a hobby, but at the same time, our mission is to try to help our local shelters. We only pull cats from the shelters, not from, we don't take in owner surrenders. So we try to focus our our limited resources on the cats that are facing euthanasia shelters. And we do anywhere between 650 and 800 adoptions a year. So even though we're a small group, I feel we're pretty mighty um, in our community and that we do, you know, play a part 
in the collaborative effort to keep Jacksonville at a the above 90% save rate. Now, do you have a physical shelter or is this through foster homes? No. How is this done? Yes. These are, uh, unfortunately, the, the few of us that are, are really involved in it have probably more cats than we ever thought we would in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> and again, had I, if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have half the cats that I have because at the time I didn't really realized that cats living outside were really okay. They didn't need to be rescued. And so mm. I have quite a few semi-feral cats that would probably have just loved to stay where they were instead of living in on my property. But but I'm committed to them, so they will stay with me forever. And, and now just going forward, I really have to focus on helping the cats that need it the most and pulling the ones that I can save to get them adopted and not just keep adding them to my sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge that you've had, and you've been learning about a different dynamic about how to address community cats. And then another dynamic is you had mentioned your group is quite small. Have you ever tried to expand the number or are you just sort of content with where you're at as a group? Well, what initially we did try to expand our members and, and typically the only people that really wanted to help us turned out not really wanting to help us. They wanted us to help them. So we had more people that would approach us that would say, I really want to volunteer with you. By the way, I have 10 cats that need to find homes. And okay. so, you know, we worked with them and we tried to help them. But once we finished helping them, they typically went away. So it was hard. And because we all have full-time jobs in addition to this, we just didn't ultimately grow. So now we've got it at a more manageable level where I feel like we're really helping the most cats, more cats than we ever did before with actually less effort, which is always the beauty of the thing, learning how to work smarter instead of harder. It sounds great. Yes. So, <laughs> and and I, I find it interesting you're actually, you continue to keep it going even while you're so involved with Target Zero. I mean, it's, then you have to figure out which hat you're wearing at, at any particular moment. Oh, definitely. It's it's uh, cats and dogs 24-7 with me. And <laughs> But that's okay because I really, I really do like it. I really do enjoy helping these animals. And, and I have really great relationships with the shelters in my area and all around the country. And I just feel like I can share my experiences with other groups that will ultimately help them help more animals too. And, you know, the, the goal for me here, especially in Jacksonville, is to not need lucky cat adoptions forever and ever. Mm -hmm. When we first started our rescue, we would go to the shelter and say, okay, we have three carriers, we can take three cats, and we would leave with like 37 because it was just such mm -hmm. a sad, overcrowded situation. And all of those cats were just begging to be saved. And now I can go into my shelter with those same three carriers and have them say, sorry, we're out of cats this week. <laughs> right. So right. I love it. And then that's allowed me to ripple out and help surrounding county shelters and, and other shelters that I never would have the opportunity to help in the past. Yeah. Well, tell us about Target Zero and what's the process of being mentored with Target Zero? Sure. Well, the beauty of Target Zero, first of all, is that we offer our services pro bono to communities. And that I think is very rare. There are a lot of consultants in animal welfare who do a wonderful job, but it comes with a price tag. And usually the groups that we want to help, they're, they're living day to day. So they can't afford to pay consultants to come in. So that is the, the first thing that I want to say out there is that we want to help, especially open admission shelters, whether they're privately run or municipally run, those are the, the shelters we want to help. Those that are responsible for taking in the bulk of the animals in the community and those that are at most risk of euthanasia. So our services are free. There are no hidden costs. And that is just through 
we're just very fortunate to have a a benefactor who pays for those services for us. And when all people have to do is just reach out to us, um, either online or we, we often are at the conferences to meet people. And we originally thought when we started this venture that our phones were going to be ringing off the hooks and people were going to be banging down our doors looking for our help. And what we found is the opposite. People are very skeptical. Some people think they're too busy to get any help. Some people want the help, but just don't think maybe they're not the right decision maker. So what we found is that it's we have to do a lot of relationship building and it can sometimes take months and months to even get an invite into a community to try to work with them. But once we are in there, we offer a really detailed shelter assessment to kind of tell them where they're at, what best practices are and how they can get there. So we give them a road map. It's not just, hey, you need to do more adoptions or euthanize less animals. We actually go step by step with them and tell them, this is where you are. This is where you need to be. And here's steps one, two, and three. And we're going to either bring in the experts or we're going to help you implement this. So it's just really easy. And, And to me, I don't see why any community wouldn't want the help. I agree with you 100%. And I've through my mentoring program, I have had several organizations and communities reach out, but also they're a little scared about change. Sure. So that, as you say, the process does have to be a bit gentle in the beginning, but I think that it's it's not hard. I mean, the communities that I've worked with, they have just thought that it was phenomenal and it was very game-changing for them to be able to work with community cap programs. And we didn't necessarily work with just shelters. I've worked with, uh, you know, Board of Health has reached out to me and asked for help in their community. So it hasn't been just about shelter metrics. It's been about just an awareness in the community that they need to help their cats. Exactly. And while we're in a community, we do want to get everybody engaged, all the stakeholders. But we know that if we're only working with, say, um, a limited admission shelter or, a, you know, say a TNR group, we're not going to be, our our goal is to end euthanasia of all the healthy animals in the shelter. So we know that if we're working just with one small group and not that shelter that's taking in the most animals, that we aren't going to make the impact that we want to make. So while we do want to work with everyone, that open admission shelter has to be a part of this. So Cameron, if people are interested in finding out more about Target Zero or asking you questions about either Lucky Cat Adoptions or your work with First Coast No More Homeless Pets, how could they find you? They can just go to our website at target-zero.org. They can email us straight from the website and um, we'd love to hear from them. And Cameron, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I just want you guys to know that you can make a difference in your community, even just one person. You really can make a difference. It doesn't take a lot of money. There's a lot of different things that you can do. So reach out and we'll help you any way we can. Excellent. Excellent. Cameron, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. And I hope you're willing to be on the show in the future. Of course, Stacey. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.